Welcome to Chemistry with a Purpose, the podcast where we talk to brilliant innovators about the science and research that's affecting the lives of people around the world. My name is Jackie McAllen. I'm a communications expert who helps innovative companies tell their stories. And this is my co-host, Birpi. Hello, I'm part of Chemira's innovation team. Chemira is a global company providing chemistry and expertise for water-intensive industries, for example, water treatment and pulp and paper industry. We work continuously to help our customers to improve their resource efficiency. I also take care of Chemira's IP portfolio and I see patents and trademarks as a tool to advance new technologies to enable collaboration. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of new sustainable innovation. So speaking of new technologies and sustainable innovation, today on the show, we are speaking to one of Europe's leading experts in the area of carbon capture utilization and using captured carbon to create chemical building blocks like olefins and alchemical intermediates. And then finally, how this can be used for consumer goods. So we're excited to get into the topic and welcome to our guest, Michael Karras. Yeah, my name is Michael Karras. I'm the founder and CEO of Nova Institute, which is the private independent institute founded 30 years ago by civil scientists. And we're doing today research and science-based consultancy in the field of renewable carbon. That means for us to replace fossil carbon from the ground by biomass, by direct CO2 utilization, and also by recycling. So these are the three carbon sources that, that avoid to have additional carbon extracted from the ground because the main cause for climate change is that we are still extracting crude oil, natural gas and coal from the ground. And so we try to give concepts and technologies and market information and life cycle assessment, policy frameworks, everything to find a pathway for the chemical and material industry to substitute fossil carbon by other carbon sources. So we founded the Renewable Carbon Initiative two years ago. We have meanwhile 50 companies on board, well-known companies, from mainly from Europe, but also some from US and some from, from Asia. And these companies using the Renewable Carbon Initiative to finance some background reports, some position papers, but also advocacy in Brussels to influence policy in the right direction and networking between the, the members. And this is running very positive. The time is right to do this move, not only looking to the energy sector, to solar and wind, but also looking uh, the finite carbon in the future, a lot of carbon, but that we need other carbon sources than in the past. And this is a strong idea now and the time is right to discuss this topic and to find coalitions and advocacy in Brussels because policymakers are not fully aware of this transformation so far. Can we take a step back or sort of segue into the actual physical nature of what's happening with carbon capture utilization? Just very basic for those who want a primer, what is it? And what does it mean to create chemical building blocks like monomers or olefins or just get that groundwork before we dive into the rest? Yeah, that, that's a, a very important question. We are used to produce our products in the chemical and material world, polymers, plastics, from crude oil mainly and natural gas. But it's also possible to produce all the materials we know today directly from CO2. And this is really something new. It's, it's discussed in the last five, 10 years. We have already some implementations today. So we can buy products from CO2 and how it works. In principle, it works in the same way as, as plants and trees doing it. If you take a, a tree, 
the tree using CO2, solar radiation and water to produce sugar, starch, oil, cellulose. And we're doing this same process without trees and plants. We're doing it directly. And to give one example is if you capture CO2 from the atmosphere or from emissions, emissions are easier because it's higher concentrated. So there are different processes we are able to capture the CO2. And if you have the CO2 molecule and combine it with hydrogen, the best is, of course, green hydrogen made from solar and wind. And you combine the both, then you have methane or you have methanol or formic acid. And these are the starting building blocks for the chemical industry. So just combining is wonderful. The problem with CO2 is it's a very stable molecule. So you need energy to utilize the carbon in, in CO2. And the crops doing it with solar radiation, and we're doing it mainly with hydrogen. Hydrogen is a very energy-rich molecule. And combining hydrogen with CO2, using then finally the carbon in the CO2 for organic chemistry. Then you can produce ethanol, methanol, naphtha, kerosene, almost everything. And this is also done already on big scale in China. We have now new implementations in, in Belgium, in Germany, in Netherlands, in Norway, and also in Tunisia. And to give one example, concrete example, the Joe Commission has decided that kerosene for aviation has to be made in the future also from biomass or CO2. And we have here really a quota system. So the airplanes will fly in the five, 10 years with kerosene made from CO2. Uh, this is the clear quota from the European Commission. And we see here a lot of investment in chemical parks for producing kerosene from CO2. That's interesting. So tell me then about the potential scale of this and where you see renewable carbon in the mix of raw materials. So will fossil-based raw materials go away? What is the, the mix today? Where do you see it going? Yeah, today, the mix is uh, worldwide is 85% is made from fossil resources, 85%. 10% is from biomass. This is often processes we're doing since many, many years. It takes the oil chemistry using plant oil since hundreds of years. So this is not new. But we've also some, some new fermentation, for example, from sugar and starch. You can make in fermentation a lot of different molecules, fine chemicals. And 5% is covered by recycling. Yeah, so 5% of the is covered by plastic coming back in the loop via recycling. We have in total a growing market for this embedded carbon in the molecules. We're not talking about energy talking about the carbon in the molecule, because you have two kinds of carbon. The one carbon is related to the process energy, and the other is embedded carbon in the molecule. And in the past, we have only looked to the energy part, and we have started to look to the embedded carbon in the molecule, because there's a big difference between both. The carbon in process energy, you can completely substitute by solar and wind, by electricity and by hydrogen. But that balanced carbon, you can't replace. It will be carbon also in 1,000 years. So it has to be carbon. And then the question is, which carbon? And we have a scenario for 2050, whether it comes in place is depending on policy framework and investment, of course. In this scenario, we're saying about 50-55% of the carbon demand of the industry is coming from recycling. So the biggest part. This is why we see everywhere in Europe and US and also in Asia, a lot of implementation of recycling and the circular economy coming strong. And so, so recycling will be number one, but recycling can never be enough because you're always losing molecules. You are not 100% efficient. So recycling is most important, but it cannot make the whole story. And the other about 45%, we think 20% is from biomass. 
So there are some applications also in polymers where the biomass is very close from the structure to the final application. Or if you take fine chemicals in pharmaceuticals, cosmetics, body care products, there you have very nice pathways directly from, from biomass. Now the consumer like to have those products from biomass. Well, this will be 20%. Then you have 20, 25% missing in the picture. And we think this 25% will be direct CO2 utilization from all kinds of CO2 sources. As long as we're burning fossils, you can use the CO2 emissions from the fossil system. We have also CO2 emissions in the biogenic world, of course, of course, industry, fermentation industry. And we are also able already today to capture CO2 from the atmosphere. This will be finally the most important source, but it's a little bit more complicated, a little more costly. So we first will we'll use the point sources, but later we will also switch to, to direct air capture. I, I think this carbon capture is, is really a, a huge innovation. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering why on earth are we still waiting? Why, why hasn't this happened? Yeah, the main reason, of course, there are two reasons for that. The one reason is we have an existing infrastructure where companies making profit, crude oil companies, refinery companies, and they, of course, are not so interested to change the business. Yeah, this is the one, one point. The other point is that carbon will be never so cheap as in the fossil age. So that means when we're using carbon from biomass, CO2, or recycling, the price will be something like double or triple in the future. This is, this is in, in principle, not a big problem because if plastics would be more expensive, they would have a higher value, you are more interested to collect them, to recycle them. So all the companies we in our initiative, for example, say, yeah, if carbon costs double, this is not a problem for our business. The problem is to bridge from today to the future. But if you are today two times more expensive, then you have a problem. In 20 years, it might be not a problem at all. So that is all possible, but we need policy support to bridge from today to the future without going bankrupt or without being non-competitive anymore. Because when we start this journey in US or in Europe and in Asia, they stay with fossil carbon. Yeah, you can't compete anymore. Well, that, that is the reason we need a policy framework. And this framework is not really there today to develop this future industry. And this is the reason why we founded RCI to, to support this idea that we need this change. It's, it's starting with the word decarbonization. You cannot decarbonize the chemical industry because they need carbon. So we talk about defossilization. But this mindset change, it happened in the last one or two years. So it's a complete new concept. And we talk in, in Brussels to, to politicians, they are surprised. They have no idea about it and they have to learn. We have to train them. So even experts often are not aware that you can use CO2 as a feedstock for chemical industry. So a lot of information, the politicians don't know it, the NGOs don't really know it, the public don't know it. And yeah, if you start a new industry, you have a lot to do in communication. Speaking of CO2 as a feedstock, so do you have any other delightful examples that you can share from RCI or things that are commercially available today that are made from chemical building blocks from captured carbon? We're just working in, in RCI on a, on a paper on CCU, uh, carbon capture utilization. For example, this, there are some shoe producers in, and they're starting now to make these shoes from CO2. Yeah, oh. This is one example. And you can buy in US, you can buy vodka made from CO2, from what? CO2 and solar, yeah, fantastic. 
But it's important to show this politician, yeah, you can really make vodka from CO2 and solar. That's possible, yeah? That's a, that was a really mind-opener for some politicians. Well, really, you can make vodka, yeah. And other example, in the US, you also have a company making soaps from CO2, then a German company doing a sports floor from CO2. So we have several new products, products on the market you can really touch and see and feel. Of course, you have also methanol, ethanol, but this is just a liquid. So that's also very important, but it's not so nice for the public just to see a transparent liquid. Then I mentioned kerosene. Kerosene will become very strong here. And what is also exciting, what's coming in, in Norway soon is NAFTA. So you can have NAFTA completely made from CO2. And then you can use the existing infrastructure of the chemical industry. You can use the standard records and then you can make, produce whatever you want. And another polymer with already on the market is polyethylene. And this is used in some uh, cosmetic packaging, for example. Um, and of course, it's more expensive. But if you imagine you are a brand selling cosmetics for, for 100 euro, then the difference in price is, is 50 cents or so. And you have even, that is really impressive, you have even in some supermarkets in, in Germany and, and Switzerland, a household cleaning, cleaning products from CO2. So they are mainly based on ethanol. And there, of course, there is a price difference, but the companies just make a smaller margin to their profit to start those products on the market. That makes me think of a question for Virpi. Speaking of sharing ideas, what's going through your head thinking about patents, trademarks, maybe licensing of of technology? Well, as I said in the beginning, I, I see patents as, as a way to, to really advance these kind of sustainable things. So I, I think that's that's really a key for, for spreading it all over the world. And I'm sure that when, when this kind of thinking becomes a, a common way of thinking, there, there will be also a lot of technologies that can be shared and using IP as, as a tool for sharing it. Yeah, you can't do it just because it's good. You need also the company also has to survive. And so I think the very important thing to have patents, there are discussions to share and sometimes in very poor countries, there's another story that might be in some cases useful and, and make sense, but in, in the industrial world, and this is not only uh, Europe and, and North America, it's also South America and big part of Asia today, you need such a concept, otherwise you cannot attract any money for intensive developments. Yeah. Speaking of other countries, are there certain leaders in this area in, in CCU? Yeah, I, I think there is one country in the world, a big country in the world, which is very aware of this CCU options, and this is China. And so we have in Europe and US, we have also to speed up. Otherwise, Chinese will be the leader here. Well, okay. so this is another real challenge. So this is another point in Brussels we have to discuss. Hey, speed up here. Don't wait till China is here in the front runner of this new development. So what do you think is the... the trick to, to change because it sounds that the technology is there and, and it's not a question of technology anymore so much. Yeah, if you want to cover the increasing demand of carbon by the chemical industry 2050, what are the options? And one option is to do is completely with methanol. And we have calculated what are the CO2 reduction potential. It's about four gigatons. And we've also calculated uh, which PV area would need. And this is really fascinating. There is, you need from the Sahara Desert not even 1% with photovoltaic to produce hydrogen, to produce enough methanol for the carbon demand of the entire chemical industry in 2050. But it also means, for technology speaking, there is no limitation. We have enough carbon for the next thousand years. 
we just have to take a small part. We could, of course, use a desert area in, in US, desert area in Africa, in China. And this is such a sustainable, never-ending source of carbon. And the fascinating thing is that the Italian scientist, there's a complicated name, I, I have to look for the name, 100 years ago, 100 years ago, and he has, has a vision that in the far future, we have everywhere solar, wind, and CCU, and the whole industry worldwide is covered by CCU, and we don't need any fossil resources. This was published 100 years before. And now the, the thing is how we come from today to this future as soon as possible. And this is only possible with a lot of worldwide policy agreements to go this pathway. Well, since you brought up the past, we do have a recurring segment on this show about the greatest chemical innovation of all time, in your opinion. So I think Will be first. <laughs> I think that chemistry is such a wide field that it's, it's not easy to say. Perhaps I think the in, in, invention of polymers is for me an extremely great development. If you if you would try to run the world today only with metal, uh, cement, and wood, it would be not easy to have a modern world. So to polymers are almost everywhere in all applications, and many polymers are not visible. They are hidden sometimes. But I think that to develop monomers and polymers was an extreme step in the modern world. But there are so many different developments in the chemical industry. It's not easy. This is a very... I have to think about this question a full weekend to give a good answer. Yeah, but I mean, you gave a great answer. It's so true. It's completely transformed the way we live. So I think that's that's a very good point. And then we can in the future make polymer from CO2. We don't need other resources to make all the polymer from today by other feedstocks. Yeah, and, and I would be I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't mention that Chimera is already also making biopolymers and it's a big area for yeah. the for the company. I think biopolymers will of course also have that part of the story because the crops and trees doing also CCU but natural CCU. So that means they're also using CO2 and solar to produce the starch and all the other things and sugar and plant oil and cellulose. And we'll need for sure all the crops also for, for food and feed. But we have always a lot of other applications. We have also a lot of byproducts. And it would be very clever in the future also to use, of course, uh, this pathway. And, and so we think recycling CCU and biomass are the solutions we need, all three to cover the demand of the future world. I love that you position plants as a, a natural CCU. That's brilliant. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us on Chemistry with a Purpose. It's been great talking to you and good luck to you. Good luck with everything at the Nova Institute and the Renewable Carbon Initiative. Thank you. And uh, many thanks, Jackie and Wilpi uh, and your colleagues. I'm looking forward to the next one-hour meeting in the RCI context to discuss what we can do together in the future. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you.